good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Weekly for Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. It's been another great week of great topics and, of course, great guests. We kicked off the week with a look at how to avoid seasonal affective disorder. Let's take a look. Some people do um, experience more difficulty with the change in season. Uh, and those changes are magnified by you know, the, uh, the changes in daylight savings time, both going into and out of uh, daylight savings time. During uh, this time of year, as you say, people get an extra hour of sleep. Um, and that can present certain difficulties, um, especially for people with pre-existing mental health problems like depression or anxiety. Usually the problem is much worse uh, in the spring, which back to daylight savings time, largely because we lose an hour of sleep and the disruption of sleep and the alteration of our circadian rhythms uh, can create um, uh, increased risk for uh, depression and anxiety, uh, sleep, <laughs> depression, uh, sleep disorders. Um, and um, as certain changes in our cognitive functioning as well. Um, most of that is usually resolved fairly quickly, um, you know, within a matter of days. Uh, but for some people, it does tend to persist. For those people who experienced a um, more severe version of these changes and symptoms with the, the seasons who have what is known as seasonal affective disorder. Um, there are certain risk factors so that the further away you live from the equator, <laughs> Uh, which means more hours of darkness, uh, uh, you know, during the winter months, uh, the greater at risk that you can be. Uh, it's also true that uh, um, either because they have a family history uh, of this form of, uh, you know, winter depression, uh, or people who have uh, low levels of vitamin D uh, because they require sunlight uh, and a certain diet in order to have sufficient amounts of vitamin D, uh, the lack of which uh, has also been associated with an increased risk of depression. And people who have uh, bipolar disorder or a history of depressive disorders are also at greater risk. As you may know, um, many people who experience uh, these kinds of problems benefit from exposure to bright light. Uh, so phototherapy or light therapy. Um, typically, they do it in the morning hours for maybe 30 minutes uh, a, a day. Uh, that tends to uh, reduce the severity of the symptoms. Um, uh, certain diets may also, uh, as I said, diets rich in vitamin D may be helpful. Um, but in terms of what you can do, uh, you know, we have found that people who maintain a, um, a regular schedule uh, tend to do better uh, when the seasons change than people who um, do what is often described as free cycling. In other words, alter their schedule uh, to fit you know, the changes in day and light cycles. Um, it's 
you know, as important to um, our regulation of circadian rhythms and to engage in a regular cycle of social and behavioral activities uh, as it is uh, in terms of kinds of medications that we may take uh, or uh, you know, things that we can do without medication uh, to keep ourselves from feeling uh, sad during the winter months. Next up, we discussed why you need an estate plan at any age. Let's take a look. Estate planning really is important at any age, Jeff, and you, you nailed it the way that you said it. Um, even if someone thinks, well, I don't have much or I'm young, I'm just starting out, quite frankly, that can be very complicating if, as we laughingly say around here, you get hit by a beer truck and you're just not here anymore, or you get hit by a beer truck and you are disabled, meaning that somebody has to step in and do things for you, or if you're, if you're just not going to be around anymore, they need to settle your estate. And dying intestate, which is uh, what they call it if you don't have a will or something that directs how to handle the final affairs, can be very, um, can be quite a problem. And not having someone who is authorized as a power of attorney to make healthcare decisions, someone who is authorized to make financial and legal decisions for you can be a huge complication. And especially a lot of young adults think, oh, my mom and dad can do it. Well, if you're over the age of majority in your state, that can't happen. They Sometimes doctors and banks and so forth will work with you, but they may have to go to court to have something put in place. It's just a big hassle for everybody involved, and it's not fair to the people you care about to do that. Yeah. It may not seem like a really great holiday gift, but if you're looking for something to help your your young adult, the new young adult in your in your family get started, getting them just, just a basic, here's what happens to my stuff if I'm not around, or here's who can make decisions for me if I'm not able to make them is good. And um, and that's, as, as was said earlier, it's really not just a favor for you. It's a favor for the people who care about you that are going to need to step in and handle things if you need them. So yeah, it's really a an ageless issue. And those things can be updated. The, the last time they can be updated is when you're not around. So if um, if you're if you're around every three to five years, just looking at it, saying, is this something that I really want to do uh, the way that I've got it set out? Or do I want to make some changes? Is not a bad idea, too. First place to start really is with what do you want and who do you think you might want to do it? So before you either reach out to some of the online services or go to your parents uh, attorney or something like that, Start thinking about who you want to do things and talk to those people. Um, a lot of times uh, a young adult may say, well, I want mom and dad to do that. That may be fine until they get to the point where mom and dad really need someone to handle their affairs and are not going to be around longer than the child is, the adult child. Also, there's the whole question of, well, should I, should I ask my siblings? Maybe. That's a pretty big ask. If, if you're asking someone to handle your affairs, either because you can't and you're still around or because you're not going to be around, that's a it's it's not only a big um, logistical lots to do ask. It's also a big emotional ask going through somebody's affairs if they're not around is is emotional. If you don't have the ability for people to get in online and manage things as they need to, you may be leaving yourself in the lurch. And the big issue there is 
how do you convey that information in a way that makes you comfortable while you still need to get into that information? In other words, am I okay in my case as a single um, as a single person with adult children? How comfortable am I knowing that my kids, my adult kids who are all responsible, could get into my bank account, my my 401k, my IRA, all of those things, my credit cards? Am I comfortable with them having that information now, or do I need to have trigger that only allows them in once I'm not able to get in myself. Well, we're halfway through the best segments of the week. When we come back, we'll take a look at the other half. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN Weekly. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score? A credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. Next up, we discussed how to protect veterans' privacy. Let's take a look. Yeah, thank, thank you for asking. So the VA has developed over 60 mobile health applications, and all of which people can see on our VA app store. So mobile.va.gov is the website. And so I'd like to you know, talk about some of the best ones, some of the you know, ones 
that um, people use the most. So first of all, there's PTSD Coach. This was launched in 2011. This was the first of all the mobile health applications um, developed by the VA, and they developed it in partnership with the Department of Defense. And um, the second, so the PTSD Coach is fantastic because not only are you able to track symptoms of um, post-traumatic stress, but there's also an entire suite of coping tools inside the app as well. And a new feature of the app is that there's also a safety planning module. So for patients or people that have concerns about um, you know, any, any crisis situation they may be in, there's a really fantastic safety planning module that's in the app. So PTSD Coach is an app that is self-contained. It's not connected to the VA network at all. So anything that you put in the PTSD Coach app or other apps like it, um, we can't see anything in there at all. So it is safe, it's private, and you can keep this information, but you can also share it with your provider through secure messaging as well. Another app I wanna highlight is the VA Health Chat app. This is a really new app. And this enables, this is a connected app. So you have to log in. And so VA can see what's in there, but there's a reason. And so VA Health Chat is, is not available all across the country yet, but soon to be. It's already in the majority of the country. And so what it allows is that instead of having to call into the VA to ask questions, you can just text in. So VA Health Chat is a, a really wonderful resource that's only been available for about two years now, and it's excellent. Another one I wanna highlight is um, one that is developed through um, um, uh, during COVID. So it's called the COVID Coach app. And so this was developed and um, it, we put it out faster than any, any other app we've ever done. So COVID hit in March, we released this in May, 2020. And it also has a suite of resources available for um, everybody, but it also has a lot of really great symptom tracking functionality for depression, anxiety, um, overall well-being that are really excellent. We are required um, by you know, federal laws, state laws. I mean, everything that we do has to be absolutely safe and secure, right? We uh, the the confidentiality of our patients' data is incredibly important. So that's why a lot of times the development of these apps the and these telehealth systems takes a little bit longer than what you can get elsewhere. And it's because we need to make sure that everything is private, everything is secure. And so the way we do that, so for our apps, the apps themselves are encrypted. So for data at rest, and they're also encrypted for data in transit. And so that means when you're sending any data, that's encrypted as well. So it's also secure. And so we wanna, it's, you know, the level of um, security that you would see in um, a bank app, for example. And I know for a lot of health apps out there, that's not the, you know, that's not the threshold that they go to. Um, but for us as the federal government, we we have to, we, that our, our patients deserve the, the best. And so when we create these mobile health apps, that's, that's the standard that we have. So I've worked in the area of virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, all of these areas. The areas that I'm the most excited about 
are um, what we call patient-generated health data. And so what we've done in the VA is um, what we, we want to empower patients to collect whatever data they want and be able to share it as easily as they want, whatever pieces of that information they want with their healthcare provider. So what we've done is we've created a patient-generated health data database that's separate from the electronic health record, enabling our patients to be able to sync up their data through an app called VA Share My Health Data that's going to be launched um, next month. And patients can sync up their data from pretty much any device. It could be a VA issue device, um, any, you know, any sort of wearable tracker, things like that. And they can collect this data um, and then they can control that data too. Maybe they want to share portions of that data with the VA, but not the others, right? So it's really about empowering patients to um, be aware of what health conditions they have and what symptoms they want to track and being able to empower them to share what they choose with their healthcare team. And so that's what I'm most excited about because as a patient myself, um, this, you know, healthcare happens in those appointments, right? In those once a year, you see your doctor five to 10 minutes, but real health changes happen in all that time between. And so for me as a patient to be able to track what's happening with my health, be aware of what's happening to my health, but then also be able to share that information with my healthcare team, that's where the power of change really happens. And so that's what we want to be able to offer our patients. So for them to be able to track their data however they want and share whatever they choose. And so it really is putting putting the, you know, the the keys to the car, you know, right with the veteran. And finally, we discussed how to avoid fraudsters when investing. Let's take a look. I guess the first thing to start off with is to recognize that uh, we're probably all going to be um, vulnerable to being taken in by really charismatic individuals. And if there's one thing that Elizabeth Holmes was, it's charismatic. Um, but the lessons that uh, stuck out to me about the whole Theranos saga uh, were that sometimes investors, uh, especially venture capital investors, um, fall prey to some traps that some investors in other parts of the capital markets ecosystem have learned how to avoid. Um, one of those is simply like recognizing the limits on how much you can outsource your own due diligence. So, you know, we saw that a lot of the blue chip VCs in Silicon Valley who had hard biotech expertise passed on Theranos. And so a lot of the investors who made up the core uh, for Theranos were folks who were perhaps sophisticated investors, at least compared to you know the average citizen, but didn't actually have a lot of expertise in this specific realm. And so they evaluated making an investment in Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos based on other criteria especially criteria that were really hard to quantify and analyze. Um, and I think when when we get outside of what we can analyze quantifiably, uh, we were open to making a few more mistakes. Um, we evaluate perhaps based on appearance or based on a gut feel. Um, that's certainly what you heard at least a handful of her investors say uh, when they were defending her. Um, you're vulnerable to taking other people's word for something 
Um, so when you hear a really impressive board member, uh, but maybe they're impressive for, you know, a career completely outside the space that Theranos was in, say that they vouch for her, well, you're more likely to take their word for it since you know that you don't have expertise in that field yourself. As I said in the piece, I don't want to paint with too, uh, too broad a brush. And there are some very sophisticated venture investors. I've been privileged to work with some of them who have made excellent investments and really analyze and get into the details uh, and, and don't operate on a trust your gut uh, model. And I would never want to uh, put them into this same category. But uh, I, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think there's actually still uh, a lot of hunger for investing in startups, and that's good. We want to celebrate that. Um, but that's that's been the million dollar question that people have been asking for a few years: is uh, is Theranos and like are the lessons actually going to be learned? Is there going to be a more judicious evaluation? of promising young startups and i'm not sure i'm not sure actually that there is because there's a lot of fomo uh, in the investing community so when there's a potentially compelling entrepreneur knocking at your door asking for cash uh you may be worried that your competitors at another firm are going to invest in them or beat you out to a certain round and my worry is that we won't actually learn a lot of lessons from this I wouldn't say that's actually the lesson for all entrepreneurs because a lot of the time there simply isn't a, a ton of data that you can bring to describe why your idea might be successful. Of course, bring all the data, bring all the numbers that you have. But one uh, one thing to avoid is to not try and make your idea or your product seem more singular or unique than it really is. Um, I see that a lot of the time um, when young uh, would-be startup entrepreneurs or never been done before. Um, it's truly unique. It's truly singular. And uh, the implication when you're making that claim is, therefore, there's nothing to compare it to, right? Or maybe they compare it to something in another industry, right? My idea is the X of this. Well, when, when you do that, um, consciously or unconsciously, it's a little bit trying to pull the wool over an investor's eyes. Uh, most of the time, what you're doing is it may be um, revolutionary, but it's probably not. Um, it's probably something that's an improvement on what came before it, or it could actually be uh, a business that is, um, you know, something that already exists elsewhere in the marketplace, but you're you're doing a better job at it. Maybe you think you're going to be able to implement better. Um, so just be very sober-minded about uh, how unique uh, your idea or your product actually is. Um, and don't be afraid of your idea or your product being compared to other products in the marketplace um, and be able to point out how you actually differentiate from them. Well, certainly great segments. I want to thank all of our great contributors this week. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Weekly. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, we'll visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for BRN Sunday. I'll be joined by members of the media, academia, and financial services as we analyze all the news and events for the week. 
Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.